conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media, and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Row. Row provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Row to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Row Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roe.co slash andysgirls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash andysgirls. Sign up today. Hi, AGs. This week's episode of Andy's Girls with Darren Corp is sponsored by none other than you motherfuckers. Um, thanks to all of you who joined the Andy's Girls Patreon. Link to support is included in this week's episode info. And I'll say it out loud here now. It's patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. It's the number one way to support um, and guarantee that AG episodes will continue to flourish. And speaking of all things Andy's Girls, when you sign up for an Andy Scrolls Patreon, which takes literally 30 seconds, you get bonus episodes. That's right. You get two bonus episodes, four bonus episodes, a bajillion bonus episodes. Patreon is the number one way to support Andy Scrolls continuing to sass and just really be uh, just a real, a real strong carry through. <laughs> support system in your life and the number one way to support it is to start an Andy Scrolls Patreon which I have done and now it's all on you guys to <laughs> sign up um, and my 22nd and three quarters birthday is coming up March 27th the national day of sass and I want 20 new Patreoners is that what you call them oh, I think they're called patron patrons <laughs> Patrons. Patron? I don't know. Have something. Uh, go to Tequila Mexico, fall in a bush, and, <laughs> and sign up for an Andy Scrolls Patreon. Patron. I started the Patreon. You guys, words are hard. Um, but signing up for <laughs> Patreon isn't. So sign up. Get your motherfucking bonus episodes, including a 40-minute bonus episode, brand new, which will be available as soon as you finish listening to this episode where I go in with a lot of thoughts about all things jacks, all things tree, and answer some bonus satchels from you guys. Um, so thanks so much in advance to the 700, 700 of you who will sign up between now and 10 minutes from now and enjoy this week's episode of Andy's Girls. I'm washing my hands of the coronavirus and drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
<laughs> How long does it take you to write those? <laughs> I had an alternate. <laughs> <laughs> if what, it didn't work. <laughs> it didn't. I'll get into it. What's yours? What's yours? Um, I think I did this last time I was on, and it was the same thing, and I think it was... Um, I may be Andy's secondhand, but I wrote all three of his books. Oh, not where I thought you were going, but we were just talking well, about I, yeah. prison. No, <laughs> no, no. Let's not even joke about I that. Not, I do not want an email from whomever owns. And for the record, Bravo I did not have issue. anything to do with those books. I don't want people being like tweeting at Andy and being like, Darren says she wrote your books. No, I did not. I was just there for them. That raises like six to ten questions that I have actually about his book. So, guys, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can still answer. Um, you guys, it's episode I don't even know. I know I said the number wrong two weeks ago, and I wow. think that number was 146. So then we had last week. So I think it's 148, but I did not fact check that. Nice. The perfect show for that. So it's just like the news. <laughs> Make America Google again. Okay. And guys, I'm so excited to be joined back on the People's People's Couch. Darren Karp, superstar, host of People TV's Reality Check, Bravo personality, Bravo Holic turned Bravo Lab, co-host of the podcast Martinis and Murder, and of course the OG of the AC. Yes, that's right. That's right. Thank you. What an intro. What an intro. What a day. What a, <laughs> what a moment. What a joy. What took longer, the opening tagline or my bio? Right. What took longer? And do you have an alt bio? We'll get into it. I don't. I was literally on the train the way here like, what works with a virus? <laughs> like, there's like, Nothing. But I, good. Right? I feel like half my taglines are either like something, something, drama. Yeah. But that's like every, attitude. I mean, yeah, you're nay, and let's just start off right about right away. Portia's tagline in this season of Atlanta has to be the best one of all time. Is it like a phoenix? Bashes. <laughs> it's amazing. That's amazing. It's incredible. <sighs> I love Portia. Sorry, keep keep, keep Has going. Portia had the biggest change? Do you think? Not even like in a great way, whatever. Just as a person, as a personality, as a cast member, as a housewife, as a businesswoman, <laughs> she's selling sheet sets. I want one. You'll get one. Please. Thank you, God. Of any housewife, she's certainly in the top five, don't you think? Yeah, she's got to be up there. I mean, not that she was like, but if you think about her and Kenya's reunion, awful fight. Yeah. Which was like, I would say peak bad time for Portia yeah, you know and bad time for everybody everyone not, all around really no one unpleasant. was no nobody one wanted it. no one nobody wanted, wanted it. it it wasn't it wasn't funny to watch no, it, was it was really so scary right Andy was scared uh and it was dangerous but I think her going through the divorce mm. and all that stuff, I mean if I think about like Cordell Stewart Portia can you believe can't go to, to a strip club to now she has gotten to be one of my absolute all-time favorites and I think she's one of the funnier ones if not top three funniest housewives and I think it's because she's genuinely she's come into her own I think at some point she decided I'm just gonna be me and like let's see what happens yeah and before it might be because she had already been in a sort of quasi strange strained marriage when she started the show and felt like she had to protect him and strict and strict and had to kind of play into that relationship yeah which actually sort of put her relationship in her 
sort of relationship with Bravo and Danger, her position in Danger. And I remember an interview that Andy gave, I think recently, where he said Portia was almost a one season housewife. Right. Until she really showed up at the reunion and showed out and did that whole thing of like, I'm going to love him and whatever and we're together and nothing's going to whatever or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And was so powerful and so strong and so focused. And they brought her back. And now and who would have seen who would have seen the trend? I mean, it is a kind of a transformation. Like I'm trying to go through my head of who I think I thought had a pretty big transformation for the better. Yeah. And the only one that really comes to mind is Stassi. And though she's not a housewife, but I think that she really like humbled herself. Like season one Stassi compared to now Stassi. I mean, she's still the same like fiery person. But I think in general, I think her anger has gotten a lot less. Albeit I know she fought with Tom Sandoval. Mm. But I do think she's a lot more humble than she ever was. I would say she's not as aggressive as she once was. Actively aggressive, yes. But the last episode of Pump Rules looked bad for absolutely everyone but Tom and Ariana. Don't you think she looked terrible? Okay, are we talking about when she yelled at Tom Sandoval in... Yeah. Okay, we're not talking about the pastor stuff. No, 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 we're talking about the pastor stuff. Okay. And she said in a press interview this week that she was like, people are thinking that... Andy texted me. Oh, tell him him. I said hi. I will. Um... I'm going to I have to just email while you're talking about something, but <laughs> okay, keep going. OK, great. Um, BCC me. Thank you. So I much. will. I'll be. Okay, great. great. Um, I feel like there was a big transition for Stassi. I think a lot of that had to do if we're going to talk about difficult relationships and how that affects how someone behaves and is looked at Patrick was terrible Patrick was terrible and it's a terrible he was a terrible influence on her and probably brought out the worst however the Mishigas with this preacher has was kind of a trigger for me and I'm like hetero whatever so I understand that I'm not a part of the marginalized community that's kind of affected not kind of that's directly affected um by how this is even shown as a storyline this season but I was less than charmed with her reaction toward Tom even her reaction toward Ariana when they were talking about Ariana's struggle with having depressive episodes well I didn't like that they were just like oh she's a wet blanket because you know I mean I would say if you if you look at something just aesthetically, yeah. like, yeah, she's more dour, a little bit, you know, uh, more sunken maybe than the other people. Mm-hmm. But, like, she's more complicated, I think, than them. She's more introspective. She has depression. She really opened up by saying she basically wants to – she's thought about killing herself before. I mean, that's real and that's hard. And it's hard to, like, put on a smiley face and be, like, all bubbly all the time with that. I mean, I've, I've been with people who have depression mm-hmm. and it's a real thing. Yeah, and also you don't you could also just have the personality of like being possibly more of an introvert and not wanting to like completely go ham the way they did. But if we're going to talk about Stassi's transition over the last several seasons, like I totally agree with you. I do, though, have to say there have been some moments of Bravo stuff recently where I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable for me to watch like Jack's 
making fun of Ariana's sexuality. That was tough, especially on Watch What Happens Live when he did it and Ariana clapped back. That was tough when he called her a lesbian, I think. And what did she say in response? She was like, I'm a bisexual, which means I like both. And like, how dare you like categorize me into one way kind of thing. Like, she got a lot of points for doing that. Yeah. Um, and I think he got a lot of shit for doing that. Um, I mean, here's the thing. It's like, as someone who not only knows these guys, but mm-hmm. also is gay myself, mm-hmm. I believe Jackson Brittany when I think, when I say that they are not, they're not homo. Like, I know they're not homophobic. Like, I don't think that they think gay, anything less of gay people at all. First off, they're on Bravo. Mm-hmm. If you're a homophobic, <laughs> not a great network to be on. I mean, just yeah, yeah, bar yeah. none. Sure. Um, you know, Andy's show is like the gayest show. Like, you know, it's so gay. So it's like, why are you going to go on? Like, you know, you're not doing yourself any justice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, they probably ignored it for a little bit. I mean, if you think about maybe Kentucky, where Brittany is from, there's a lot of context there. Maybe they didn't do the research as much as possible because it didn't get as much press in Kentucky as it might in, you know, West Hollywood, California or yeah. Valley Village, which is there. Yeah. They all live now. Excuse <laughs> me. Um but I do believe that they, once they knew really about it, they did something about it. And the and I agree with Tom and Ariana for bringing it up. I just don't know if that was like the right time. to For be, Sandoval? Yes, to bring it up to them and kind of like get into a fight with them about it. Well, they have said in the press and Stassi has, has said in the press that she was like, it's not like we didn't have those same conversations. We just right. felt like we already had them. They redirected, took a different route. So we need to move on. It's done. But I feel like if they had those kinds of conversations, wouldn't Jax and Brittany have come for them a little bit? Like, why were they disinviting Sandoval? Well, I think that that response was very harsh. I think that. Yeah. I I, I don't agree. I don't necessarily agree with how Tom and Ariana brought it up. Not that they brought it up. Yeah. Just the timing of it. Right. But I don't agree that therefore Jax is going to be like, well, you're not invited to my wedding. Like, I I thought that was a little sensitive of him. Like, just say you're sorry. You felt like you've talked about it before Mm -hmm. and we can talk about it some more. But just know that I wasn't coming from a bad place with it. I feel like if Jax had just said that, the whole thing would have been a wash. Like, I think Tom and Ariana would have listened. I don't think it would have mattered. Yeah. And I think his frustration was that it was happening on camera. Well, I think I and I think. I I sort of feel two ways about it because I do think, well, listen, if you're going to kind of do that, then it should happen on camera so people kind of know the mistake that you're making and mm-hmm. that you're undoing it. I think that's important for people to see, see your stance. But on the other hand, if every single other person is knows who Jackson and Brittany are and are having these conversations as a friend behind the scenes mm-hmm. so the audience, they don't have to be embarrassed all over again, why wouldn't Tom and Ariana do that too? So how does this work for you? You have created your own empire, a podcast. You do tons of live shows throughout the country. You have um, reality check on people, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal that, you're, that you host and have Bravo celebrities and people off the network as well. And you have relationships with Bravo celebrities on your own both because of your work with Andy but also truly on your own how does that work when you're watching the shows as a viewer can you entirely disconnect are you do you participate in it at all where you're like let me text Ariana and let her know I have her back you know like how does that work no I don't do that I don't I try not to get involved like at all I would never 
I mean, I, if I saw Ariana in person, I yeah. would be like, that's, you know, I yeah, would tell yeah. her absolutely. Yeah. But we're not close enough I, I, that I would text her necessarily. Yeah. I mean, for example, when Margaret got her hair pulled, oh. I was with Margaret the day that that happened <gasps> that night. And she had told me that. And Wait, we were talking it, it privately. You saw her after it happened or before? I think it was that night or the next day. We were at a party together. Holy I saw her at an shit. event. And we were talking privately. No one heard. Like, it was just her and I yeah. just chatting about it because she was saying this. But obviously, that was like six months ago. Right. So it's not, I mean, like I said, like, oh my God, I hope you're okay, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. But it's not like when it happens, I'm like, I got your back. You know, I always just mm-hmm. talk about it in person because I don't really want to mix lines you know what I'm saying like we were kind of you and I were just talking offline before about how there's like you don't want to be friends like I don't want to be friends with Andy like I want to be in his life and considered someone who's close to him like a friend in terms of he can trust me and there's a bond there but the moment that I start viewing him as a friend is the moment I become bad at my job and it's also just selfishly if you like watching these shows and it's an escape it becomes so much less of an escape when you try to align yourself as a participant. I think that's such a dangerous path. Well, Andy, Andy does it well because he really oh, does yeah, have relationships with point. them, but he's also the executive producer. So Ugh. he's watching to some extent, not, you know, his employees uh, sort of, you know, loosely his talent on, on a show, uh, but also his friends that he cares about these you know beautiful mothers that have he's gotten advice from and through baby showers and you know there's like Mm. a real life adult thing there too and kinship so he definitely does it really really well but I think what Andy also does well is that he when he interviews them yes he's their boss so I think that he can make them more accountable but he's Mm -hmm. also just a fan and he wants to know just like you know Mm -hmm. he wants a tight 36 hours with Shannon Bedore and like a (laughs) talk I said before we were like talking about like making mixing business and pleasure and whatever. I was like, no, I totally. This is exactly except thirty six hours. You're like, I could just spend like thirty six hours in the door. I was like, a tight thirty six, just a short amount of time of thirty six hours. Just a walk with Archie that never. But ends. you know, they surprise him too. You know, he's mm-hmm. not saying like. Oh my God, like I can't believe, she, he, he'd be like, oh, that's so funny. That's so great. Like I love these women. He really, really, really respects them, I think, ultimately as a fan, but also as their boss. And I just want to make sure that I can do the same. Not yeah. as their boss, obviously, but just as a, a, a person who works for their boss. As a, as a viewer of these shows, what takes you out, if anything? Is there anything where you're like, oh, this is too much for me, where I truly like can't watch this anymore? Mm. Or a moment where it becomes too real? Like real in the worst possible way? If someone well, like revealing I mean, themselves and you're like, nope, this is not this is not what I want. It rarely happens because it's just, you know, it always continues to be good TV. I never want to see people like stoop really low and I don't know. I don't want to see their children like see terrible things, Mm -hmm. you know, or them like curse people out or call women terrible things Mm -hmm. and fight. Like I don't like seeing that because I just think that human beings can do better in general. Um, But that being said, they do happen. And so, and it can sometimes make for riveting television. I think the thing for me that was, I still watch, but it was hard to watch was really like the Teresa and Joe stuff because Mm -hmm. that was, of anything, it's real, you know. I think of real life consequences, not necessarily fights among the women, but you know, when Camille's house burned down, and, you know, Denise Richards, she had to flee with Aaron, you know, those things. It's like 
that's when real life and even though you know what bravo does is real life it's just kind of like what everyone else is experiencing is also what you're experiencing that's when you're like holy shit i remember that like in atlanta when they played the gay pride parade i was on that float and so it was weird to see it Mm -hmm. go down and that kind of takes me out of it sometimes Mm -hmm. but i mean for the most part i'm just watching along as a fan and i root for all of them do you go to filming um, not during the season. I mean, I've, I, I feel like you've been to New York, right? Well, I was going to say I did this stand up show, um, for anti-bullying, for stop out bullying that, uh, Jill Zarin's. <clears throat> no, it was Jacques. Stacks What? Yeah, it was Jacques thing with Luann and Chanel Omari. Who? She was a, <laughs> she was a princess of Long Island. What was her first name? Chanelo? Chanel. <laughs> oh, Chanel. Chanel. <laughs> Chanel. Chanelo is my like, new I rap name, though. I am Jewish, but yeah, that is, are. like, too that much was a lot. of something. Chanel Omari. So Holy she invited God. me. It was an anti-bullying thing. Bunch of comics were there. Um, I had to give, like, a bullying story. And that was filmed, but I doubt I'll make it in. I mean, I shouldn't be I shouldn't be seen, necessarily. Like, Wait, this just happened? It happened in September. Oh, I was like, I don't remember this airing. Yeah, like- no, no, it's in the new season. But I don't. I think they cut me out. I haven't seen that cut yet, but I'm sure they did. They should because my, I didn't realize it was a comedy show. Like I didn't realize you're supposed to like be funny about bullying. So I said my actual bullying story. And I had to go first, and I didn't also realize that they were filming for the Real Housewives of New York. What unbeknownst to me until I got there, which for me like you know I'm friends with the Summer House kids, and they invite me to their house like all the time, but I can't go. I can't be seen, yeah. you yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's not worth it for me to like dodge the camera. Like I'm not <laughs> trying to like be in back of a Bravo show. Um, so I'm assuming they cut me out because like I went up there and I told this bullying story and I'm like bawling my eyes out <gasps> in front of like Ramona and Dorinda and Leah and like all these people. I'm like, oh dear God. <laughs> and I text Andy and I was like, this didn't work. Out. I was like, I'm at something and they're filming and I cried and he was there for the story. It actually like he was kind of the light at the end of the tunnel at the end of the story. And I was like, and I'm telling this story and I'm crying in front of all of them. He was like, that's adorable. And I was just like, no sympathy. No one's helping me. And I was so embarrassed. I mean, if we're going to talk about some moments that like may or may not take you out of the story. That's one of them. Low key, the most, the biggest amount of secondhand awkwardness I think I've ever had watching a show was, wasn't it last season, the scene at Brasserie Cognac, wherever the fuck it was. Um, of the women throwing a fundraiser for the girl who was, I think, oh talking God. about like sexual abuse. When, when she was just, like, "Stop talking!" Stop! And like Dorinda and Ramona are going at it, and then Dorinda's like, "I'm gonna tell her story for her," which is so deeply inappropriate she for someone like Dorinda. Ser- stop! Stop! And they're just yelling at yeah. each other. I don't think I could ever watch that again. It was one of those. Th- it, that was one of those definite cringeworthy moments where you're like, "Oh God!" And I know it's not the editing. Like sometimes when you know, like they, they glance over at like a snarky look, you're like, that could be editing. This was like, there were no cuts. Like they were just going live with this thing. Like that's how uncomfortable it really was. And it was was a visceral response, partly sponsored by Ramona Pino Grish. Like they had definitely like pregame before going to this deeply important fundraiser. Sonia was embarrassed. And like, if Sonia's embarrassed, you know, it's like really tragic stuff has happened. Oh my God. I don't know why I'm like so focused right now on because I feel like a lot has happened in the Bravo sphere of like these moments where 
there's an intersection between like the reality TV escapism of it and like watching someone behave in a way that is not in line with expectations that I would have. Yeah. And so there are certain people that you watch because they're a train wreck. Then there are storylines where I'm like, oh, this is uncomfortable for me. Like, I don't think it's 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 like whatever is the opposite of escapism. Like I am too connected, like case in point too close, too close. I haven't seen an episode of below deck this season because I had somebody on who has done a lot of written a lot about below deck. And I was like, listen for like self care. There needs to be one show that I'm not watching. Yeah. Like (laughs) you gotta give yourself a break from the break. I can't do it. It's too much. And they were like, you're, you either need to start watching now or don't watch because it's going to get so dark that yeah. you're not going to want to do it. So I didn't watch the season, but I did watch the reunion. Mm-hmm. And the sense that I got was that these guys on the show, from what was shown, the reaction online, like actual monsters. Like misogynistic like, monsters. Like deeply misogynistic are really went overboard in every possible way consent being a problem and for me there have been certain storylines where I'm like holy shit but also like oh my god holy shit and Michael Darby was one of them where I was oh yeah that was real too where it's like this is super real this is super serious but also like the way that Karen is handling this is hilarious but like also it's like super serious super real and actually Karen probably handled it the best out of anybody um but then I waited for that moment of resolution at the reunion where I was like, he's going to get buried. Like, this is going to happen. He's going to get buried. Right. We're going to get that full circle moment. And I think for people watching who may have experienced something similar, sometimes you look at reality TV and you look for the ending that didn't happen to you in real life. So it's like maybe somebody, something happened in my life and I didn't get that resolution, but I feel like I'm going to get that. Mm-hmm because of the relationship that you have as a viewer with Bravo, you know, it's, there's a dependency on feeling like there's some sort of ending here that ties it all together and makes it make sense. And makes it seem nice because I think reality TV is interesting because it's real life. Yeah. Which is also like entertainment on your television. Yeah. Where things should be in a nice little bow at the end. You know, you want the best season finale that ever was. Right. And typically someone, if you are grabbing somebody's ass, you're not necessarily going in front of 10 cameras and answering questions about it. Like this would be the place for that person, regardless of whether they're going to own up to it, to it, where you at least feel like your voice is going to be heard. Right. And I didn't feel that at the end of the Potomac reunion, I felt like he was sort of let off. It became a little bit of a joke And I was like, shit, because first off, it was the best season of maybe any franchise in history was insane. It was a great, it was phenomenal. Danny Pellegrino said the same thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He said it was it was like the best season. Hey, Danny. Yeah. Um, So iconic. Um, So I was kind of like, oh, I just that would have been the exact right, you know, and and regardless of whether or not he was going to continue to film, it just would have felt right. And then I'm watching the below deck stuff. And I have to say, again, I haven't watched this season. But I'm watching the reunion and from what I saw online, I'm like, I wish that there had been a moment where these guys were really held to account. And I watched the reunion episodes and I felt like there was something in it where I'm like, oh, why are these women being asked to respond to why they were a trigger for these men? Like, why are they having to? Why is it on the women? Why is it on the men? Why is it on the women? And also, aren't we at a point 
like beyond me too or whatever we're just understanding what happened during these episodes that they would be held accountable like it just felt like it felt disconnected from my expectation that do you do you mean like why didn't Andy go in further or why didn't I was confused as to the nature of the questions I was confused as to why they were so focused on the women and not the men it felt like the men were getting let off the hook yeah and I was like I didn't love it and then Kate announced that she was leaving the show and I wondered that could be related to anything else and Kate is one of those people who's like destined to have a spinoff so like she'll be doing whatever the fuck she's doing and we'll kill it but yeah I just kind of was like why it it didn't feel connected to the mood of the audience who really wanted these men to be held accountable. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I got a lot of DMs actually from people. You directly? Me directly. I mean, I don't I don't watch Below Deck as much. Um, Andy's not the EP of it. So, Mm -hmm, you know, there's only mm -hmm. so many things you can like focus on. Yeah. 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 Um, So it's it's a little bit hard for me to watch it. I know what happened at the reunion, but I didn't. I only know like the major clips of what happened in the season and it's not an excuse for me not to know. I just haven't caught up fully, yeah. but I know from what people were messaging me that they don't, they, it was a lot of complaints of like, why didn't people push the men more? Like, why didn't they hold them accountable to what they said? And I can't answer that. Um, yeah. I have to watch it myself and maybe know more. Mm-hmm. It depends on a lot of things. I mean, granted, you know, whatever they edit out, not sure why, maybe it was, who knows? Yeah. I, I can't actually say I don't really have a good response for it, unfortunately. I definitely hope, you know, when I had Captain Lee on my show on P- on People TV's reality check, I asked him, I was like, if you were the main scene where all the guys are kind of mm-hmm. trash talking the, mm-hmm. the women, mm-hmm. I said, if you had been not sleeping and awake and mm-hmm. seeing and heard what happened, what would you have done? And he said, I would have fired all of them. So that to me at least says that the boss of them knows at least that they behave that they yeah that they that they shouldn't be proud of their behavior um and for me like these people actually work for that guy so you know if if the punishment that i've if andy knew anything terrible about me like i would that would be really really bad um so maybe they're gonna get some sort of punishment from captain lee i don't really know but yeah, I can't answer why they didn't go harder on the men. I didn't watch it and I and I can't I find it hard to believe that Andy wouldn't protect women. He's very a forward thing. I mean, he loves women. And he said on on Radio Andy, I think it was the next day cuz obviously he was getting calls from people. Sure. And he said, you know, I, he was under the weather, which I can certainly appreciate and and having to like film something when you're not feeling well is one of the worst feelings that you can have yes um and I think he also said something along the lines of like Ashton had a tear in his eye and he felt like this person understood and was and felt bad and so he thought like this was enough that this person seemed like they were able to even if it was superficial and temporary and fleeting because Ashton was going back and forth during the reunion that he felt like, okay, there's something that's happening here. There's some sort of growth. And it's just that did not translate to television. It didn't. But then there are moments where it's like you see growth happening and, and, and it's wonderful. You know, the truth of the matter is, is for me, 
like reunions are one thing and saying something in a reunion is one thing but the next season if you are not learning yeah you know like Kenya's the shadiest person I know and and admittedly the shadiest person like on Atlanta like she's just so shady especially with like Marlo like even when everyone's being nice you still more hair care but if she like let's say she apologized for that looked back on it felt so horrible apologize apologize and then next season did the same thing well, it would mean nothing so maybe the guys maybe we just didn't see a full apology out of them or that emotion but maybe next season or whatever happens with them maybe we'll see it in their behavior which i think is what we really want to see Kenya's one of those interesting people. First off, obsessed with Kenya. One of the best yeah. housewives of She's, all time. Lover to hate her. She knows lover exactly like how to be just shady as all hell. Like you're, she's just so good. You're always going to have a feeling about Kenya. Like you have a strong. Nobody's she's not like, boring. Right. Nobody's like, oh, I don't know. You know, you know, you know, if you love her or if you don't, regardless, she is a force. She's complex. She's super complex. And that's one of those things where I'm watching this season and this whole shit with Ken. And I'm watching Portia, who doesn't respond in a way that's like necessarily empathetic when it comes to watching and maybe thinking to herself of her experiences with Cordell versus what Kenya and Mark are going through. But which is, it's, which is seems very similar, right? It's like such an interesting juxtaposition because I'm seeing like Portia and Candy are like, what's happening on the couch at the bowling, whatever. And they are glued to watching this go down. And Portia has now become an independent woman and is working through her shit yeah. um, with Dennis, but seems to be much more in control of herself and aware of her self-worth. And that translates to the communication and dynamic that she and her boyfriend have, fiance, whatever. Totally. Meanwhile, Kenya's back. She's back on the show. She's so alpha. She's not afraid to ex- express her emotions, stir up shit, be nasty, be whatever. So nasty and so rude. Love her for Except Ken. when she's around Mark. Except when she's around Mark, when she becomes so subservient and sad. She looks sad. And he Ken. seems like... Yeah. Right. And he seems like such a dick. And I'm watching that play he does out. He seem like such a dick. Right. And I'm like, first off, she has said in real time that they're making things work, that they're getting along. And I'm like, sweetie, like make things work and get along to co-parent. You deserve so much more than what this guy is giving you and providing well, and they're, for they're, you. And they're like kind of newlyweds. Yeah. They don't know each other. It's not like they've been married for 20 years. No. And they're like figuring this out. Like they, they, it, they're kind of should still be in sort of a honeymoon-ish phase right and I think that Mark thought he could break her in a way where he's like you are wild but I am going to tame Tame you you. and that's not his job in like a controlling ownership way it feels right it's and it's I don't know I would just think a partner is there to support you and make you better together gather like I and not try to literally change everything about you your cellular structure I agree that when Kenya is being dramatic, Mark does know how to kind of like be like, don't do that. Like, I do like the fact that he's friends with Greg, um, you know, and, and can sort of separate it. I don't mind that so much. I know people are like, you got to stick up for your woman, but I think at the same yeah, I'm one of those people. And, and I guess, and public. I get, at least in yeah. public, uh, granted, yeah. granted, but I don't mind when he's having a conversation with her and being like, well, Greg never did anything. I hope that you guys can kind of come to terms when they're talking privately. I totally get that. But, he seems so just it's his way or no way. And he kind of feels like one of those husbands like in the 1940s. Oh, Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Where it's just kind of like 
if you're not cooking and cleaning and being subservient subservient to me, then you're not really a wife and I'm only using you for the child that you gave me. Mm -hmm. Which is weird because they have a daughter, you know, so you kind of feel like, you is know, that what you're raising? Well, yeah. Yeah, I always feel like how men treat their mothers or mm-hmm. any any impactful woman in their life is how mm-hmm. they they're gonna treat their girlfriends or mm-hmm. children. Um I don't even I don't I don't know. I don't necessarily mind them disagreeing in public. I mind that they clearly have absolutely nothing in common and there's been not one tender moment between them since they got together. And then Nini's not moments one. where she's all over Greg and like pretending to like fake hug him or whatever, which seemingly she was doing to be like this is my example of PDA. Like, do you see this, Kenya? Do you, you yeah, want to? You're like example. <laughs> yeah, example. I love my husband. Exactly. Ditto. Um it was kind of rough to watch. Well, yeah. Yeah. I think, well, I mean, listen, Nini and Greg have been back again on, you know, they've been, they've been yeah. back and forth their entire time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went through something really hard, which wasn't just hard on him. It was hard on her. And mm-hmm. you could see that. And that's so real. Like mm-hmm. anyone that you know that has ever had cancer, it affects people mm-hmm. around you. And, mm-hmm. and it's depressing and it's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think they really learned a lot about each other in their relationship for better or for worse. And Kenya and Mark have kind of been bad from the start. Yeah. And I think Kenya got, this is just someone who's like a fan. I don't know anything Mm -hmm. in like, none of I'm saying is like insider gossip, but I just feel like she wanted the marriage and the baby so bad that I think she was a little blinded by that to see the kind of red flags in him. Yeah. And, but that's the thing. Like, I know that I know that you said you're one of those people where it's like agree with her no matter what. But that's kind of the one thing I like about him is that he sort of makes her own up to a lot of the weird stuff that she does in front of their friends. And I don't mind that because it makes her better. But I don't think he should ever make her talk down to her right, if, or make her feel stupid. I think he's doing it in a way to diminish her and assert yes. his authority and his control. And I do think that publicly what Portia said too is like she said in her own special way of like telling Dennis to stand down and like do whatever the fuck she told him to do. Yeah. And I sort of get that, especially on a show like this. And especially when you know that your wife is in extreme conflict with the other major alpha on Atlanta, noting that essentially every Everyone is alpha on Atlanta. Yeah. And so I just think if you know that there's some toxicity here, why are you helping the enemy of your wife? Why can't you just temporarily cool it? Right. Or at least not critique her. Like you don't have to say like Nini sucks, but you also don't have to call out your wife who's already doing her very best to shut the fuck up and not have an opinion so that you they don't like publicly battle it's it's such such an uneven dynamic yes I I agree with all of that I think the way that he tries to handle her is wrong and I think the reason he allows the friendship with Greg and maybe even a little bit with Nini Mm -hmm. and tells Kenya whatever behind closed doors is because he can't control Nini and Greg, but he Mm -hmm. can control Kenya. And so I think for him, he doesn't, he doesn't want the drama. He kind of wants everyone to get along. So what's the best way to do that is telling Kenya what to do, not Nini and Greg, because I don't have any relationship to them. This is my wife. I own her in some sort of way. Again, this is just what I kind of sense from it at least. And listen, there are people and maybe you're going to disagree with me. But I never liked Emily's husband, Shane, on the OC. Okay. I, I never thought that he was whatever. Okay. And I still don't love him. He's Can not you imagine my... if I was like, he's my favorite. I know, you're like, what? 
I love him. But I do think he got a little redeemed on the reunion. Yeah, I agree with that. When he said, and I was like, you know, maybe to some extent, like they're taking the worst parts about him. Yeah, and, and the we're best only parts saying about that. Emily in that context. And you know, if him, if he's saying like, I did that because I don't think that she's fat, and I don't care what she eats, like. When you think about it like that, mm-hmm. it's really sweet and yeah. it's really nice. And like, I mean, I think you should be encouraging, you know, whatever behavior she would like. Mm-hmm. But I think it's nice that he's like, well, I don't I don't want her to do this for me. Mm-hmm. I think there was a little redemption there. Whereas with Mark, I don't really get the sense like he's getting a bad edit. Mm-hmm. Not that I'm saying Shane's getting a bad edit 100%. Don't, I sense it's just kind of like who he him. is. I think that's who he is. And I think that's also a testament to why they don't live together. I think deep down, Can Kenya knows. if he was in more manner full time? And she says that she wants him to be in the same city. And it's like, sweetie, I don't think you do. I mean, they're getting a divorce. I think that's something, you, not. that's something that you say when you want. Like, that's something you say to your friends. And then behind closed doors, you're like, God, no, I don't want this at all. Like, this distance is the only thing that's keeping us alive. Like, they're not even in the same state. No, and the only person that suffers is the daughter, and I and I hope Brooklyn gets everything that she wants because yeah. she's cute and she's so innocent, cute. and these are her parents, and I hate to think Olympic that people swimmer. are just I she just she, 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 she. um <laughs> I, I I would hate to think that people were talking negatively of her parents, but when you go on a reality TV show, you know I mean yeah. when you look at that behavior, like I would not want to be treated like that. That that is not the type of relationship that I want. And Kenya is so alpha in every way. Except the moments we see with him. And it's just like, it's weird that she doesn't stand up to him. It's very weird. And if she wanted to, if she chose to play that role and play that part and be that kind of wife, she has every right to. But we can all see that she looks very unhappy doing it. Yes. And I think she knows that she is because even in her most dramatic moments with the cookie lady and trying to call out Tanya, there was a moment where she said, she's like, you know, I'm asking this knowing it's salacious and knowing mm-hmm, that, you mm-hmm, know, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell Tanya to be wary. But she's like, but also I'm asking because maybe I'm going through a lot of turmoil in my own relationship. Mm-hmm. And when she said that, I was like, that's the real Kenya. I was like, that's the real person. It, she knows that it's a projection of her own insecurity on her mm-hmm. own relationship. And in that moment, she kind of opened up about it. And I don't think we saw it ever again. It, that door shut very quickly. But it, it was sort of nice to see. I was like yeah, you know that your relationship is not good. And I don't think you can make a case that it ever was good. Like, I don't really even know what they saw in each other. I mean, I, she's beautiful. I, I understand that. She's successful. She's a lot going for her. I understand what he saw in her. I do not understand vice versa at all. Or what keeps them together outside of their daughter. I think it's also one of those things where sometimes you think you need a certain kind of person and then you get it and you're like, you know what? My bad. But for her, they got married after 45 minutes and had a kid an hour later. Well, that's so. the problem. I mean, I think that's the issue is that you there's no time to think about red flags or when you get into your first fight or is this person going to be a partner and somebody that I can really commit to in the long term, especially distance, mm-hmm. especially when you're famous. Uh, so let's just try and be together in every single way possible so it's hard for them to escape. Because not yes. only did they get married, they had a fucking kid. They had a kid. And if the theme of this week is talking about like redemption in every way, including the edit, there could be no bigger example of that than New Jersey in every possible way. Right. New Jersey, the actual backyard scene, New Jersey, and what did it take for Teresa to get out of that bedroom? New Jersey in the full second half of the finale when they're going to Mi- to Miami, they're going to Italy and she's sitting down with Joe and saying like, where the fuck are we? And watching how he interacts with her and interacts with the girls. 
I honestly knew that Jersey was going to be an hour, realized that essentially the women were being halved like they weren't right. doing the full hour and doing Italy I thought that was a strange choice I didn't understand why they didn't do a 90 minute and have the second the last 30 minutes be like an Italy special just because I really think the cast is so strong the season was it's my favorite it was fucking incredible it's my favorite Dolores is the gift that keeps on giving forever and I love her she's my favorite person I think she's she's one of my favorite people. I don't know about I mean it, her behavior on camera. I think that like I would love to see her light up a little bit more. I know she has it in her. You think she's too harsh this season? No, I think she's not harsh enough. I think that she's You mean by with her boyfriend? No, I don't really care about that as much as I think there is hope that I would. I I think with like Tree, with Danielle, like she can really pop off and is really a spark and a fire and is also, I think, a great human being. And I wish there was more of that. And I think separating that from her personal life, like the David thing is actually, it is interesting to me, but it's not the whole thing. And she didn't come into her own in the way that I thought she was going to. Okay. There's still potential. We can find a new Danielle because Danielle doesn't live here anymore. But I felt like watching the finale, like Janaden fucking fire. Tremendous. I mean, she's she's the gift that keeps on giving she is such for a, TV. She's she's made for it. She's primed. She's made for it. She's primed. She's seasoned. Bill Aiden <laughs> When they get him drunk on that boat and then they carry him back in and she's like, like a what did you do to my husband? I was like, it's the same thing as Margaret being like, your husband's in the pool. Like, it was magical. You don't, you don't get to just, it, it, there's just great quirky moments yes. in Jersey that are so like, there's just so many things about it. And especially now, I feel like it took a little bit to get here. I love every single cast member and I love them all together. There's not one I would get rid of. Literally not one. Not one. And I also don't even really want anybody to be introduced. I feel like, but they can't do it as a friend. But it's like so, the sauce, it's like they have the secret Sunday sauce. It is so perfect as it is. So I'm watching the reunion, I'm watching the finale and I'm like, oh shit, like we're closing up shop. We're getting their like lower third, whatever the fuck, like somebody you're... Yeah, Teresa goes to Italy right, blah, blah, and stays blah. there. Right. And I'm like, oh my God, and now they're going to shift to Italy and we're losing that whole half. And so I was kind of pissed about it because I'm like, this has been such a good season. It felt chopped off. I was not expecting to feel the way I did about Italy. I thought Italy was going to be... I wasn't thinking really about redemption or the edit or anything like that. But I was so emotional. Every aspect of the Italy stuff. I'm like, I get why this needed to be 30 minutes. Like, watch. It's heavy. It's like it's real, heavy, real life. But I thought it was done really well. Yeah. I honestly was like watching this happen. I'm like, you have this shit. With- I cried several times. You're watching the shit happen with the kids. Obviously, at the end of the day, they're everyone's focus. I think the viewers, everybody yes. else. And we're talking about who's being punished and all this and the dynamics and like, you know. That's why all those con- cheating rumors I didn't care for because I was like, dude, they have four kids together. Like, oh, yeah. I that's who matters. You know what I mean? Like, who yeah. cares what their relationship is like? It should be good for the girls. That's all that matters. Right. But I also felt like if we're going to talk about redemption, there's an element to Teresa, love her or hate her, where she is getting more more comfortable with revealing actual vulnerability, which is going to make her a better person. And I had heard rumblings about what Danielle said to Melissa about tree telling her to pull the hair. Yeah. Essentially. But also, but also the owner, the shop over. 
Yeah, which he seems like a piece of shit. I mean, and like, who sells a six hundred dollar candle? You don't work at Hermes. Like, well, what yeah. the fuck are you thinking? You know what I'm saying? Like, Hermes. I'm like, come on. Um, I don't. Uh, you could get half of a Chanel booty for that. A one. half. I mean, for yeah, real. you could get one shoe. I got goal setting. Um, I just felt like. There were mo- I I was expecting and I we saw the trailer for the finale and I was like oh shit shit's going down. It was fascinating to me that they broke the fourth wall. It was hilarious to me. I yeah. if we're going to talk about editing, my guess is that Teresa was holed up in that bedroom for hours, not just because it went from day to night, but because she was absolutely texting or calling, w- talking with production, and refused to leave until she there was an understanding about how this was going to play out in right. some way. But I also was like, I don't hate her for this. And I I know that Even I... Even sh- Joe said that. He was like, she deserves to be frustrated with me. Like, she deserves to not want to sleep in bed with me. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, but I... Yeah. I felt like... She, even the fact that she for whatever reason, because she couldn't think of an answer or whatever, the fact that she didn't outright lie about saying that shit to Danielle. Right. Regardless of the strangeness around the editing of her call to Danielle, like the moment where she's like, we're not, we can't be friends anymore. You don't actually hear her saying that. And it felt a little disjointed. The scene in the, on the porch with Margaret felt a little disjointed, but I think a lot of that could be because Margaret was in like genuine shock about this happening. Uh, Yeah. I don't think, I mean, I don't think anyone expected that. Yeah, and I also felt like they probably were like, what the fuck do we do now? And decided to rally to Teresa as kind of the start of the show. Instead of being like, why the fuck did you do this stuff? They were like, don't be upset. Come out. Apologize. It'll be fine. Right. But I didn't necessarily begrudge them for that. And then I watched what she was going through in Italy where she's like having a conversation with a guy who by his because of his own actions, regardless of if he was held to account to a higher standard because he was a celebrity, regardless of that and of her own her own ownership, took away a year of her of her having a strong relationship day to day with her mother who Mm -hmm. died relatively shortly after getting back from camp. Like he did things that had such an impact on her life that created so much damage that she will never get back. The largest element of that being time, like both (laughs) how that reacted to the kids and whatever else and watching him because I think he had just come out of being rejected by his wife sexually. And because he might've been uncomfortable in front of the cameras or because he may truly feel this not being able to acknowledge or take responsibility and seeing Teresa's reaction to that, which was like, you are fucking kidding me. Yeah. Like we're having this conversation. You can't even say this and we can't hop on a flight together and get home because of your behavior. And the fact that you've been expelled from the United States and can never come back and can never come back. And I felt like from an accountability perspective, and an empowerment perspective, I had a lot more empathy for Teresa than I ever expected I ever would. And I was like checking myself being like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why are you okay with, not that I'm okay with what happened with Margaret. It's obviously insane and crazy and terrible. And I also don't think that Teresa thought that Danielle would take it to the extent that she did. Totally. By I far. With, I agree with that. But I I wasn't necessarily pissed about it. Does well, that make any sense? No, it does. And I, I I mean, listen, from one thing I've noticed about Teresa, and you know, I think Teresa's a, a ditzy and that, she's not the smartest tool in the shed. And I think, admittedly, and I think she's charming in that way. But one thing I've really noticed from Teresa in the past four years, kind mm-hmm. of, is 
man, she's a good mom. And, and she's such a good she's mom. She's such a good mom. And she's really strong. And she earns. And she takes care of those girls. And really cares about the perception that the women get for their father. You know, even when he was saying, like, terrible things on the phone, she kind of absorbs that and protects them from it. And, like, as an adult looking in, I can kind of be like, wow, like, she could easily bash him right now and really say really negative things about him to her daughters. But she's taking the high road. And she kind of, for the most part, Mm -hmm. and understands that that no matter what, like, he's still the father of her four children that she loves more than anything in the world. Yeah. And so being a really good mom and also empathizing and sympathizing for what she's gone through, when you look at something like a hair pull, you're kind of like... I still feel for you, Teresa, like, but I also, I don't want to see you do this. Cause like, what if that was your girls? Like you wouldn't want to encourage someone to pull your girl's hair, Yeah, you know? And so it's like, on one hand, she's kind of this heroic figure. I think in Jersey, it was really kind of, kind of come out triumphant and has, you know, she became a bodybuilder. She mm-hmm. worked really hard. She lives in a huge house. She's a New York times bestselling author. I mean, mm-hmm. that's real shit. Mm-hmm. Like, and I'm not going to knock her for it. But the other extent, you're kind of like, why are you hanging out and encouraging this really shitty behavior from your friends? Is it just for laughs or not? I mean, I... But w- I agree with you that I don't think she thought Danielle was going to do it. Yes. And I also was like, if we're going to talk about full circle moments and getting resolution, I watched that shit play out and I was like, you know what? This is why Melissa would have had no problem revealing this to everybody. Because this is her way of getting, not revenge, but her way of being like stripper gate. She was involved. This That's the conversation that nobody is happening that either will happen on the reunion or maybe doesn't need to be uttered because it'll open up a can of worms. But right. I think a large part of the audience is thinking that like this ties directly into what they were saying she was doing a couple seasons ago that even Kim D said that she was doing a couple of seasons ago and people, tree huggers, whomever else were like, burying their heads in the sand or dirt or whatever and saying it's no 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 it would never happen and then you see this happen and you're like guys you have mike dude hot Hot mike and you have to understand that there's a record here there's a history here and you have to kind of go back and think to yourself either oh my god i was wrong before for thinking that she wasn't capable of doing it or regardless of whether you thought she was capable all signs are pointing to the fact that she wasn't the innocent Joe that she was pretending well, to be. And that's 100% true. I also think there is a slight difference, and it's not condoning any behavior, but there's a slight difference when saying, go up to Margaret and pull her hair violently because she deserves it and you deserve to get revenge versus Danielle coming to Teresa and being like, whatever the owner's name is, Alan. Uh, um, Stephen St- Dan. Stephen Dan. Uh, Stephen Dan tells me to pull her hair. Do you think I should do it? I could sort of sing if you hated someone's hair, right? If you mm-hmm. hated someone. and we're, I have a top ten in my head right uh, now. Yeah, I know. You're like, well, let me let me whip out my list that I keep in my back pocket. Someone you hated and we were best friends, right? Okay. Or something like that. And you came up to me and you were like, my brother thinks I should pull her hair. I'd be like, dude, yeah, do it. Like, totally. Like, I hate that girl too. But you're not really being sincere about it. Mm-hmm. I could sort of being it misconstrued colloquially mm-hmm. and in common just friend language. Like, mm-hmm. I'll kill her for you, you know? Rather than her being the person to be like, no, you need to absolutely do this. Like, there's a little bit of a lesser evil there but speaking of evil the person that you're having this conversation with is danielle staub you know that she is not going to do like a light tug or whatever you know that it's going to be dark and unpleasant 
So maybe I mean, that's again, why you can like say that to her? we know that, and I, I mean, Teresa, Teresa knows it. She does, but I also think that her, unlike anyone else, even when all the stuff was going down, there's a reason that she protected Danielle and maybe was in denial a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean, certainly like. Margaret saying at that dinner, there's no way her and Marty had sex. There's no way. There's no way. And finding out that, no, like Marty and Danielle did have sex. I think for Teresa, that was like a tick in the Danielle box, not a tick in the Margaret box. And so maybe there's just, maybe Teresa just wanted to see the better in her and wanted to see what we all don't necessarily see in Danielle. I have a satchel of gold from Morgan and Maplewood that I got and I was like, holy fucking shit. She says, cannot wait for this conversation, but also want more context about Teresa's involvement in the hair pulling decision because I know Danielle was considering and being vocal about potentially doing something to Margaret's hair before filming even started. She told my friend who works in a certain Fifth Avenue store and was assisting her that she was going to pour wine on Margaret's hair because it was, quote, overprocessed and would stain. I wonder when she changed tactics in favor of straight up assault. Was that Teresa's doing? This was months ago, post your husband's in the pool, but probably hot on the heels of it. His wife, also an AG, thanks to me. Oh, thank you, Morgan from Maplewood. Told me immediately, and we've been on the lookout since. That stupid cunt. Not Morgan. <laughs> Morgan, you're wonderful. You're adorable. No, Morgan from Maplewood, you're wonderful. Of course she was looking for a moment. She had probably been thinking to herself this entire time, how can I taunt this woman into doing something that can warrant a physical reaction? I believe every single word of this nothing about that email tweet whatever is Mm -hmm. surprising none of it like reading it I'm like oh yeah I could kind of see that like I get that however think about how last season had ended when Margaret threw threw wine on Danielle Mm -hmm. it's possible that if it's on the heels in that time at that moment how can I that she was just kind of like you know like oh fuck Margaret like Mm -hmm. I'm gonna throw wine on her because her overprocessed hair and blah 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 which is something you say when you're talking shit, I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not making an excuse for it. I'm just trying to give context around it. Yeah, that yeah. Like maybe it was kind of like that. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not trying to defend Danielle. I'm just trying to maybe Who also, could? Well, <laughs> I'm just trying to also see all sides of it. You know what I mean? Like just because someone's like that fucking cunt, like I want to like <laughs> rip her hair out. Doesn't necessarily mean that a, that woman is a cunt or B that that person is going to rip your hair out. Sometimes it's just things women say. Okay. I have another satchel of gold from M in Sydney. Okay. Is it just me or does anyone think that does, Oh, does anyone else think that Melissa was aware of Danielle's info about Teresa's involvement in Hairgate and met with Danielle to expose Teresa with the cameras rolling? To which I say, M from Sydney, when you are at a wedding, the wisdom that people always go by is look for the person, groom, bride, whomever, standing at the altar watching their beloved walk down the aisle. You're not watching the beloved. You're watching the expression of the other person. Yeah. Eyes forward. Right. Because that is where I think the romance and love and whatever of it is uh, can be found. So I watched that moment of the Melissa reveal and uh, Melissa giving the reveal and Teresa's response. And I was more hyper-focused on what Joe Gorga was looking like and what Melissa was looking like versus 
anybody Anybody else else. because I was thinking in my head they're going to directly be referencing stripper gate and just the relationship in pain whatever they went through with their sister and the fact that they were fighting valiantly to reveal the kind of Teresa that Danielle revealed because of her conversation with Melissa and I found that fascinating and if you look at both of their faces they're not the most surprised or shocked people in the group and neither of them especially Joe they're not known for keeping things on the inside right and so I watched it and I was like I don't think Melissa planned that conversation I truly think she genuinely dislikes Danielle and was probably fine meeting with her to tell her that she had been fired from the show I don't think that that was like difficult for her to have that conversation well and I also think Melissa has become sort of the voice of reason to an extent where Mm -hmm. she wasn't going to get Danielle overly fired up like she was kind of the best Trojan horse to kind of go in there yes. to meet with Danielle as opposed to being like Melissa planted this to get revenge because of stripper gate. I don't think it was that calculated. And I also don't think that she would go into a scenario the way that Teresa did where she's like maybe I don't like you but we're going to have an alliance. I think Melissa's too smart for that and understands that when Danielle revealed herself to be as diabolical as she has always been, that she like tapped out. Yeah. Like she did the whole, Oh, we're going to be friendly. We're going to be whatever. It didn't work out in her favor. She was done. She knew enough not to trust this person. And so I don't think she was involved in the reveal happening on camera and knowing that information on camera, but I don't think she was surprised by it. And if she had a small amount of, it was taking a small amount of in- enjoyment in saying this publicly and having the cameras on her and her being the, you know, messenger of all of this. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I understand it based I on like season too. three and four, right? Season three, four, five. Yeah. And I, and honestly, like I really like Melissa. I really like her. People like love I her. just love her. Like there's, uh, she's just great. Mm-hmm. And I think she's a good mom mm-hmm. and a good wife. And I love her and Joe together. Mm-hmm. And I totally believe their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think that Melissa is a really good person. Mm-hmm. And so like Melissa is not manipulative to me at all. Mm-hmm. Like she does not come across that way. So I think, I think it was very convenient for her to be the one to get that information of what, from what Danielle said because of stripper gate. But I do think like, it happened because Melissa just happens to be just like a pretty calm, cool, and collected person for the most part. Unless, or, you know, aggravated. From your interactions with the housewives, are most of them true to what we see as the episodes air? Like if somebody comes off as like sassy, funny on this show consistently, has that been your interaction? Does that make any sense? Like how true to their character on the franchise have you found the housewives to be well i will say that they're not i mean certainly at bravo like we would never call them characters they're just they're who they are because i say character you did and they're i'm not i'm not i'm not insulting you asshole um (laughs) i'm just saying you know nothing about reality tv and that's incorrect we don't have characters dare you there's secret cameras everywhere in this apartment they're playing themselves (laughs) um they're pretty much true to form they're pretty much what my dad says is woozy wig, which is what you see is what you get. Um, for the most part, I would say that's true for them. You know, I mean, like some of them could be funnier on camera than when you see them. You know, not everything is like a gas. But I mean, they're all pretty much true to form from my experience. Do you have day-to-day reaction, um, interactions with these people? 
sometimes, certainly when they're on my show or we're going to go do something. I mean, when I would travel around with Andy and Anderson on cities and we would invite the housewives, you know, I was responsible for hurting them. I would say hurting oh housewives, which is literally the hardest job in the world, do, hands down. Do they sit front row? No. You sit like, I mean, it's a big theater, so you okay. sit like, you know. Seventh row? Yeah, seventh row center, tenth row center, something like that. Are they demanding? Like when a housewife is no. rolling into a show with it, because do they know that like they need to be on their best behavior? Well, they're guests of, you know, Andy and Anderson's show, but they're not, they've never treated me like a, like a, they're not like, can you go get me this and get me that and get me to my seat and this and that? They're not like that. They're how pretty long, cool. How long have you worked for Andy? Nine years. And you technically work for his production company? Like who since? I technically work for the production company that puts on Watch Rapids Live. Oh. Technically. I used to be a Bravo employee, staff, and then Andy and I left together. Wow. He was like, you can stay or you can leave with me. And I was like, I want to leave with you. So I left with him. And then to be his assistant, I I am employed by the production company that puts on Watch It Happens Live. Have you ever had any conflicts between the work that you do with Andy and the work that you do like with PeopleTV.com, for example, or PeopleTV rather, where it's like you're maybe asking questions to a Bravo lab. They're like, ooh, is this... Is I mean, this I jeopardize I, anything with. Well, I mean, I think I know what they don't want me to ask, and certainly the Bravo representatives who come with the Bravo Lebs or something—they're my mm. friends. So they'll be like, "You can't ask about this, or don't ask about this, or something like that," which is very rare. Um, but I also know what to kind of say. I mean, I usually try and watch as a fan with Bravo stuff now that I got the gig because I don't want to know too much. And disrespect Bravo or disrespect the brand. Like ignorance is bliss for me in that kind of way. You know, like I don't want to have too much insider baseball because I want to treat it like I don't know. Because Mm -hmm. I think that makes for a more interesting interview and it also makes me think of questions more. If I know something in the back of my mind, I'm not necessarily thinking the questions of someone who doesn't know behind the scenes. Because I already have the answer. So I like to come at it with a really fresh perspective and not really knowing much. Watching along with the fans. Who's your dream interview? I mean, Andy's going to come on. That would be a dream because I think is he? for me, I've interviewed him with Ask Andy, but never in a way that it's like my show. Yes, and know? this is your show. Right. And so I, he kind of has to, he's on a different brand. You know, it's not Bravo. That's Aaron right. Bravo. Which he's is on a great. different brand. Which is great. Um, and he's, you know, knows that for me, this is my own thing. So I think that that interview is going to be really cool. Do you think he would say, don't ask me about this or that? No. I would know not to what to not ask him if there was anything, but what? he's pretty open book and it's also not live. So for some reason, for some reason I ask him something that's yeah, inappropriate, he, 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 it, he, it would just know. be like, could you take that out? I'd be like, sure. What's your number one question for him? Do you love me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Am I good? I've always wanted to ask him who he thinks the most trustworthy like our honest housewife is because obviously people (gasps) always ask such a good question people always ask like who's your favorite housewife I don't care about that because favorite is always in the sign of the times like yeah I know you love Shannon Bedore right but how can you not love you know Portia right now you know what I mean and the Portia for love right now is bigger than Shannon Bedore because she's on your TV for 26 fucking weeks it's a spiritual thing versus uh who's most successful at it and he's never gonna be like my favorite housewife is. So I want to ask him something that I know we can answer. And I feel like asking something like, who do you trust the most? Or who do you think is the most trustworthy? Or who do you think is the most honest? Who do you think has been the most honest through and through at every reunion? And you really believe that I think is a more interesting layered I question. I would be really curious. Interested. So what's your answer? 
who I think the most honest housewife is. Yeah. Candy Burris seems really honest. Yes. And she seems like, in my yeah, mind, I kind of think really her as a good. flat line, not in a bad way, but in a way that like I think she's been the most consistent mm-hmm. throughout her time on The Housewives. Yeah. She has been in the same level of drama pretty much every season. Mm-hmm. She's smart. Mm-hmm. She's not, you know, like erratic behavior, nothing mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I probably would trust what Candy has to say. I always feel like she's got a good, like, objectivist type of view, like, you know, objective view. Um that's a really good answer. Thanks. I <laughs> <laughs> just pat yourself on the back. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. But yeah, yeah. But I feel like I feel like you. Would and it's not a bad question for Andy, right? No, it's a really good question for Andy, right? And I don't watch it. Somebody's gonna somebody's gonna take this now and like ask him, and then he's gonna answer How on Twitter. How fucking dare you? I know. Please don't. Please don't save it. I want to save it for me. I feel <laughs> like I've earned it. it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'd probably ask him about that, and I would. It, because I could have him in a way that I could control a situation where it's yeah. like, I'm the boss because I'm the host. I would ask him, you know, every little thing, you know, does that like make you nervous? Like that totally. time when you're going to be on set and yes. it's your set and yes. he's the guest and you're driving the train, but yes. you know that like, really, when this is he's done, driving right. the train. <laughs> it's like with my girlfriend, it's like, Oh, Darren, you know, she must wear the pants cause she's so loud. But it's like, that's, that's what I want people to think. <laughs> But if you really know me, it's my fucking girlfriend that wears the Holy pants in the relationship shit. for sure. That has to be an interesting and pretty rare dynamic where you guys are both personalities. Like even it was like I did Ask Andy panel where I interviewed him in front of like 2,000 people. This at was Bravo at BravoCon yeah. where you guys announced Utah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Salt Lake City. And uh, that was like weird for me because I know I do an Ask Andy, but I've never done it in front of an audience. And how did that go? really well like I loved it and I think people did too and he would say things like you know he gave a little background about me too because he was like you know Darren's following in my footsteps and for him to say that period Mm -hmm. let alone in front of other people as like an interview thing it made me so like I was just really touched like it was a really good moment for me with him and it was nice to see this really interesting dynamic one you don't really get to see of an of an executive turned host turned you know everything just personality galore and his assistant who's kind of like following along but also very professional there's no other like relationship like that that people see on camera as far as I'm concerned did you prep with him before of like this is what I this is the general direction of where the conversation's gonna go and then you know that you had major announcements that you were gonna say that we're gonna get a lot of attention I knew that I gave him the questions but I showed him my cards beforehand and I was like take out whatever you don't want me to ask Mm -hmm. because he also knows how to like produce something really well so if he's like this is a stupid question or I'm not gonna give a good answer so he starts crossing some things out and he turns to me and goes just ask me whatever the fuck you want. <gasps> oh, I love that. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Because, you know, when someone crosses it out, you're like more nervous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you're like, well, what if I bring it up as a follow-up? Yeah, and I don't know course. that he, you know, and so you're like, ooh. But he was just like, you know what? Just ask me the f- whatever the fuck you want. And I was like, thanks. Wow. So I'm hoping that's what it will be when he comes on people. Which will happen. So I'm like so excited for you. Thank you. I'll let you know when it happens. Yeah, please do. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. That's incredible. And are there any Bravo Labs or other housewives or anyone that you're like dying to have on the show? I mean, certainly when all the seasons come back, you know, I mean, right now we're trying to get Nini. I would love Nini to come on. We had Teresa, Dolores. We've had all the Jersey girls, which is great. Love them. Um, you know, I always love having a Dorinda. Kyle Richards would be great. Oh. Denise Richards would be great. Kyle doesn't get Erica enough. Jane would be huge. She's here. She's in New York. Uh, well, I know Chicago. Um, 
And any of them, I think, are big gets and really fun. Certainly anyone in Atlanta, I just, you know, Cynthia Bailey's come on. And I love the Potomac women. Oh, oh I love God. Karen. I love Robin. I love Giselle. The, they're all great. Um, but I think for me, Andy would be the one because it's such an interesting challenge for me. Would you ever do an interview with someone who not necessarily was exiled, but is no longer on Bravo and may have things to say that aren't necessarily in line with how interviews would be produced with like existing housewives? I'm just thinking because, you know... Leanne, rest in peace. Yeah, well, it's hard to come back from a lot of that stuff. It's hard to come back from a lot of this that stuff and also your behavior and strategy for how you were going to combat that online. That, and I went to, like, Steve Kimball's Twitter, I'm going to get a little bit, is a black hole of despair. He I can't. Is, I just can't be in Don't I, go anywhere near it. I don't even don't want Don't go it. anywhere. Don't. Your eyes to me right now, it's I'm so set. Bad. Like, I'm it's good. It's so dark. Yeah, no, I'm set. Like, I no, <laughs> I don't want to come back from that. No, 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 no. But I will say I, I love all the Dallas housewives. Brandy Redmond's like one of the nicest people in the world. She's yeah. so sweet, like genuinely like so sweet. Um, just because I didn't mention any of the Dallas housewives. I like don't want people to think like, oh, you hate Dallas. Um, but yeah, there was no coming back for Leanne. I think that was that was that was really rough to watch. I wonder what her I mean, Lord knows she's going to have her own spiritual journey of trying to um rehabilitate her PR or what was remain what well, remains I of mean, it. Yeah. I wonder where she's gonna go for that. I mean page six when they did her exit that she was leaving to focus on her philanthropy. That's as close as you can get to like a glowing review. Which is fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. I think um I don't want to say uh, in general in life outside of housewife land, I don't want to ever be defined by like a mistake that I like be defined by the worst mistake I ever made. Not saying that's the worst mistake. I'm just saying by a really shitty thing that I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I do think that while I deserve to be judged for it a little bit, I do think people can be redeemed. And I think that if she does whatever it is to sort of redeem that way about her and prove that she isn't sort of the vile things that she was saying, then I have hope for it. You know, I don't want to like, cut someone off for their I certainly don't want to I think I think what she said was vile and wrong and terrible but I don't necessarily think that everything about Leanne Locken is vile and disgusting and wrong I you know I just don't think that and I also think that if we started the conversation by talking about below deck and holding people to account how better than to end it with Leanne who was held to account the first 15 minutes of the Dallas reunion part one and Andy called her out and he did, and he I think pushed. he did the best job he's done. And he's excellent at these reunions. The best job that he's done of any. And he's had some terrific moments. But I really felt like he went in in a very, like, respectful isn't the right, right word to use. But he wasn't, he was just holding her accountable in the way that I, as a viewer, look for those kinds of moments. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting him to go in as hard as he did. And it was completely deserved. And it was a real conversation yeah. where it wasn't everyone on Twitter just saying you're a racist right. and saying you're this because that doesn't help the situation. 
And whether it's Siggy and Margaret mm-hmm. talking about these really vile terms mm-hmm. or the Roach incident in Atlanta with mm-hmm. Kim, um, I think it's important to actually have like an honest, open, calm, yeah. rational dialogue, even if you're not getting the answers that you want. And I think Andy's really good at pushing people to do that. Yeah. And it's something to admire. And you know, despite when, the below deck, right? Uh, you know, Michigas. Michigas. And you know what? When you reveal yourself, guess what? We're watching. So, well, yeah. And sometimes, you know, Sometimes it's just let that be the last word, whatever you want to say, and let the audience decide. Right. And to some extent, I think that maybe is what Andy did with the below deck thing. It's Mm -hmm. like I can push and push and push or do what I can, but I'll let the audience decide. Do you think these guys are pieces of shit or do you not? Do you think the girls were wrong to react this way or not? And sometimes it's important to not necessarily push your agenda in one way or the other. I think arguably universally what Leanne did was wrong. And so it was easier maybe to push. He's also the EP of that show. So he knew how to prepare for it. Unlike mm-hmm. below deck that he does an EP. Right. Um, but I think, I think the more that you are able to really articulate your, the context under which you're saying something and the intent under which you say it is important. And sometimes that gets misconstrued on a television show mm-hmm. when you have millions of fans watching and, it's it can be difficult. I don't I don't doubt in my mind that Leanne regrets everything that she said. I don't think she was great for saying it, but I think deep down she probably does really regret. Maybe she regrets getting caught. Yeah, I think which she is another thing. Caught. I don't think that she ever. Maybe it, that's true. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't know. I don't want to talk uh, poorly about something that has yet to maybe maybe there will be a transformation. There are teachable moments in this life and I don't want to just pass those by. And frankly, listen, Joe Giudice is Judice, Judice legally. Can't. I just say Judice. I can't. (laughs) He is on his journey and like, look at how he's figuring out the kind of father that he wants to be and co-parent that he wants to be. Who would have thought that the guy that we saw calling his wife a stupid cunt or whatever would be evolving to this point where he's posting these lovely tributes and talking about how he wants to co-parent and they're doing their best job because they love their kids and he's focusing on next steps. And obviously there's the uh, an accountability chip that is still missing, but he's working on himself. So there is the possibility. I don't see that in Leanne personally, but I do think that... And maybe it's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I do think that there is hope that I wouldn't have ordinarily anticipated. And so there we are. And if it did happen, I don't think you would be like, it's not genuine or this or that. I think you might not think it's going to happen, but you might be open to it. I mean, certainly Joe, I think, I think there's never been a time in his life where he's appreciated Teresa more. Despite what he says, I know that he is like, holy shit, I hit the jackpot with her because she's a great fucking mom and and a really good divorcee partner. Mm -hmm. I don't Mm -hmm. really know the, whatever term I'm trying to use, but I think that he does really appreciate her now more than ever. Yeah. And I feel like for Tree, there's a weight that's been lifted and I'm excited for next season. Oh God, it's such a good show. Such a good show. Um, this was such a good episode. Was Thanks for having you. me. Tell the people how to follow your 900 shows that you are responsible for. And you can you follow are. me at Carpe Darren on mostly Instagram. I feel like that's where I'm the most active. Love. You know, whatever. Love, love, uh, love. But you can follow my People TV show. It's called Reality Check. It streams on Twitter. It's on YouTube. It's also on the People TV app. Monday through Thursday at 4.30 p.m. We interview all types of people, all types of housewives, not just Bravo, Jersey Shore, Mass Singer, all the reality shows that are happening. Sarah, thank you so much for having me. 
I this has been such a pleasure. And uh, martinis and murder. And who, martinis and who's murder. Who's drinking? Who's killing? What's happening? I'm definitely drinking. I'm hopefully not <laughs> killing or being killed, but I drink a lot. Please, please follow Martinis and Murder wherever you get your podcast. And you can follow me and my partner, John Thrasher, at Jay Thrasher, and at Matt underscore the underscore bartender. You have so many projects that you're working on, but I just love saying OG of the AC. Yeah, I know. I know. You like, so you were joy. really leading up to it. You really were. <laughs> Listen, I'm a reality TV producer in my own mind. Thanks this for having me. This is a pleasure. Me. I love you. I love you. Talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, bye.